0: Digital Marketing Radio, episode 167. Should you be advertising on Instagram? DigitalMarketingRadio.com. Digital Marketing Radio is part of the 3B podcast network. UK casters talking business growth. Find out more over at 3BPN.com. The big interview with David Bain. Today I'm joined by a man who's come from being a congressional press secretary to leading online advertising strategy for the likes of Hootsuite, Fitbit, and Eventbrite. He's co-founder of the social media advisory firm Foxwell Digital. Welcome to DMR, Andrew Foxwell. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, Great to have you here, Andrew. Oh, you can find Andrew over at foxwelldigital.com. So, Andrew, if a business advertises on Facebook... Should it also generally be advertising on Instagram, do you think?
1: Well, I certainly think there's always room for experimentation with businesses. Um, on Instagram itself, it's similar to Facebook in advertising in the sense that it is actually launched from the Facebook platform. So from the Facebook advertising platform, you can easily say, yes, I'd also like to launch my ad on Instagram. Uh, but I think one thing that's really important for people to remember is that Instagram in its DNA and in its user base is very different than that of Facebook. It's very different than um, really online, any other online uh, you know, social network. And so Instagram is very, very visual. So then we can kind of get into that a little bit more, But uh, but I would certainly think that if you have a business that's especially a visual business and something that you can tell people about with images um, or tell people about from personal experience, Instagram's a great place to be advertising.
0: Okay, great. Well, I mean, I've done a lot of digital marketing myself, but I have never advertised on Instagram before. And I was doing a little bit of research um, prior to this discussion, which um, a good interviewer does. And um, I I was even um, surprised that it's it's the Facebook interface that you use. I don't know why I'm surprised. Obviously, Facebook own Instagram. Um, But you're saying that um, they're very different um, networks, really, to actually uh, advertise on. Does that mean that you can't really replicate things that you're doing on Facebook for Instagram success?
1: Well, I think one of the hard parts about it is, I mean, Facebook actually, when you go into launch an ad, if you were someone that was putting an ad on Facebook now, if you don't separate the placements or you don't say, yes, I want the placement to be on the Facebook mobile newsfeed and the desktop newsfeed, if you just let it put it wherever it wants to, it's going to put that ad automatically on Instagram as well. Um, and it can put it on Instagram, whether you've connected your account to the actual Facebook account, or it will actually sometimes just use that person's or that organization or company's Facebook page. Ah, so you so, might be
0: advertising on on Instagram and, uh, and you, you, don't you don't even know, know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think, you know, for those of us that use Instagram, I mean, I use Instagram a, a lot. Um, I'm, a, I'm a really big consumer of Instagram. Um, and and I, I love the platform, frankly, just because it's so much different for me than Facebook. And it's all about that visual experience. And I, what I've seen um, being a digital marketer uh, on the platform is the majority of ads that I see on there from Facebook advertisers, um, not really knowing it, or the majority of ads in general are really bad and they don't really, they don't look good. And they also don't look that they, like they are part of the platform. Um, the images are sized incorrectly. Uh, for example, one thing that's very common is people will put URLs in, in their link um, and they'll launch it on Instagram. Uh, and, of course, in a caption on Instagram, that URL is not live. So it's then just a string of text that the person, I guess, would have to uh, enter in manually if they want to to their browser. So uh, there, there's a there's kind of a miss that happens, I think, with a lot of people. So, so
0: that's a URL um, in descriptive text beside the advert. Within, yeah.
1: within the descriptive text, yeah, under the advertisement on Instagram. Uh, you know, Instagram also only has that one customizable text area for your ad uh, versus on facebook depending on the type of ad you're using you can have up to four uh, different areas of text that you're customizing so many times there's things that are on facebook that you launch and then it goes on instagram and it actually looks pretty weird if you don't know that it's there but instagram can be very successful for people i've helped companies uh you know big and small, all the way from from breweries all the way to e-commerce companies that, you know, multi-million dollar e-commerce companies launch ads on Instagram. And there's a, there's a couple little tidbits that I'd love to give your listeners on kind of the things that they could do. Sure, go for it. So, I mean, the first thing on Instagram that I would say is like, I've been talking about the creative, making sure that the creative is sized for Instagram. That's a square image on Instagram and making sure that it looks good, frankly, in a size for that platform. So and any particular find about,
0: pixel resolution at all? Pick, there's you know i mean there's
1: all the specifications you'll need actually on the facebook ads guide if you if you don't use the facebook ads guide as a digital marketer that's something that i use and is in my toolbox and if you can just google facebook ads guide and it actually gives you all the creative specifications of all the ads that are on the facebook platform so I can tell you about that um the other thing that I would encourage you to do on Instagram is understand that Instagram is not as much in its DNA as a direct response platform as Facebook. So Instagram is very much a place that is good for a branding play. It's very it's good for helping people understand at a higher level what you do, what you're about, and really maybe what the products are that you have, what they look like. Um, and so understanding and setting the expectation for yourself that you're not going to be selling a lot through Instagram right off the bat. Now I, I do use Instagram for direct response for clients, but most of the time it's in a lower sales funnel, you know, perspective. So if they're e-commerce, you know, it's, it's something that they've been to the, their website before and we're then showing them an ad on Instagram that more matches that. Uh, and then the third thing that I would do, if you're going to use Instagram as an advertisement And these are not really in a particular order, but I would ensure that you do have an Instagram account that is active and and is something that you use. Uh, Many people use their Facebook page, and I, I think earlier on this was more common. People would launch ads from their Facebook page and then you'd go to their Facebook page from the ad and there wasn't a lot happening there. So as users and as consumers are online, they're curious and that's very common. So I would encourage the use of you know, getting that Instagram account going and getting content on there that reflects your brand and gets to what you want to talk about um, and helps people understand the more complete story because people are curious and they're going to get in there and and want to learn more.
0: So would you say that Instagram is more of a retargeting opportunity rather than an opportunity to target people for the first time?
1: I think in the cases that I've found for it to be a, if you're in an e-commerce environment, I think it's a it is a better retargeting opportunity than a front end opportunity. However, um, you know, I have a company I work with. It's a very large fortune 100 company in the United States. And, and, you know, they are using Instagram and it's a purely branding play and it's, it's frankly the the cost per thousand, you know, the CPMs on on Instagram are because of the way that ads are served on the platform, which is not as often as the mobile and desktop news feeds. Um, It's, it's expensive. It's very expensive. I mean, some cases I've seen north of 30 to $40 on a cost per thousand basis. Um, So because of that, that's where I think the, you know, the retargeting piece becomes more relevant because it's expensive. And if you're going to pay that much, you want to make sure they're really qualified. But I think on, on, you know it's it is just more of a branding play for those of you that do want to go top funnel and it can be very very powerful so how, especially how you with you the anything? advent of uh, carousel ads on the platform and being able to use carousels on on Instagram
0: so do the ads on Instagram look significantly different compared with the content that people are just generally viewing and finding on the platform
1: i think that uh, right now uh, a lot of the ads i've seen uh do not match the platform they look silly, frankly. Okay. Um, and they look too gimmicky. Um, the, the fact that I think, you know, I can go through my Instagram newsfeed and I will see a, uh, an ad that says, you know, I, I click here to, f- Learn your SEO or something. Mm. <laughs> or like so completely you know, irrelevant. But yeah, it just it doesn't match. Like I'm looking at things, that are visual images of things that I'm interested in. Now you may use and you may have people that use Instagram as a business platform where they're connecting with people that way. I think it's less of that, um, much less of that than what I've seen. And so I would inc- you know tell the real story, uh, get get more deep. Um, and you know there's a whole bunch, a whole other set of things we could talk about in reference to instagram stories um that obviously just came out a few weeks ago um
0: but i I would certainly like to delve into there i mean just one question in relation to what you've been saying so far how do you measure the success the, the the impact of a brand focused campaign
1: well on a brand focused campaign i mean there's a couple different things that you can look at and of course the largest topic i think that everybody want is talk talks about in our industry is is attribution but one of the things that i like to do for brand awareness is there is an ad unit now from facebook and it's brand new i don't know if it's totally legit yet to be quite frank with you but it is a measurement on brand lift so it gives you an idea of how many people within the target audience you're seeing would recall that ad within a certain period of time and you know how
0: that metric is calculated
1: uh, it's it's calculated based upon uh, mostly around view time, and then how long they're spending looking at it in reference to other things in the newsfeed, right. um, and then how long they're spending if they are actually clicking through to a website. How long they're spending there? So it's a lot of the the quality of that is related directly to the relevant score that you see on Facebook, and you also get relevant scores, the zero to ten score on Instagram as well. So you basically can find out, you know. Uh, How long are they going there? But, but that's, I don't use that one as a major measurement that the quality of it, if if it's an e-commerce company, how I measure it is I measure, you know, just the, the actual revenue coming from it. Um, but on a, for those of you that are, you know, thinking about doing it as a branding play for me, I like to actually just set up some customer research every quarter. Um, where did you see an ad from us on Instagram? How did you become an advocate of ours or how did you become a customer um, and actually just asking that question and giving them an incentive, a percentage off or something like that um, to learn that and we we did this with a with a, a local company I worked with um, and they do a lot of events uh, and we surveyed their customers, gave them a percentage off of their product uh, that they had to redeem in store. It was a fairly substantial percentage off. But we found out that the majority of the people that took our survey, about 60%, had actually seen something from us on Instagram. Now, we would have never known that because our follower reach isn't that great, but what we found out was a lot of people are doing that research themselves and actually see looking at hashtags we're using and seeing us that way so it's an interesting thing that sometimes isn't it can be sometimes a lot better than it looks and and sometimes maybe a little bit worse too
0: so you mentioned stories um so first of all what is that and how can the social media advertiser take advantage of it if, if if at all
1: so Instagram stories right now are basically a Facebook clone that was created or, in, you know, on Instagram of Snapchat stories. Um, it's a ability for you to create, take Facebook video or excuse me, Instagram video or photos, put them into a story, um, and then have that launched over a period of time. Um, and you can, person can view that up. Uh, up to as many times as they want, up to twenty four hours, and you can put as I think you can put as many photos or videos in your story as you want. Um, but it allows you to really take that person a lot deeper um, of your followers of kind of what they're interested in. So an example of this with an online marketing expert recently I've seen is Chris Brogan. So Chris Brogan is somebody I follow a lot, um, and you know Chris has used Instagram stories, and he actually is just standing um uh, in airports and is uh you know at the gym working out and actually talking to people about a daily message. So some of it's around about webinar registration and it can go all the way to like, how are you actually gonna improve your business today and things like that. So it allows me to get a more personal feeling and connection. I think there's a lot of opportunity with that. There's no paid opportunity with Instagram stories right now um, for you to take advantage of, but it's clear that those are forthcoming. I'm sure they will be in the next, you know, three to six months. There'll be some sort of an ad unit uh, that either will be able to launch, or that will that will be first available to big spenders, and then those of us that aren't major spenders on the platform will get availability too.
0: So, if a client of yours was thinking of getting started on either Snapchat or Instagram Stories, which direction would you would you push them in?
1: I, I it really depends. I mean, for me. I uh, I said uh, when Instagram Stories came out, um, I said I felt at home. Um, you know, I'm 31, and I felt at home there. I've never really felt at home on Snapchat. That's not where my friends are necessarily. Um, certainly, some of my younger friends are there, but Instagram is where you know the that's where I share the the content with the people that I follow that are really my closest friends versus on Facebook. It's just more of my wider network of of friends and family and things like that. So I think if a client came to me and said, I want to do Snapchat. Okay, well, that's great. But what's the end goal? Do you want to reach younger people? Do you want to reach people under 21 or under 25? Then let's talk about Snapchat. Let's talk about how you're going to use it. And then let's also put together that content plan so that you're not looking in week two and saying, I started the Snapchat thing. What am I doing? And Instagram is the same piece you know if you're looking to reach people twenty five and up into you know twenty five to forty five range, that to me is a really good platform for it um for you and um can be really effective
0: so getting back into advertising on instagram, um you mentioned earlier on that's one of the mistakes that a lot of businesses make is actually delivering images that are the wrong size are aren't square aren't um perceived to be fairly native um to that particular platform. Um, But visually, what designs um, tend to work really well? I mean, if you're an e-commerce website, would it be pictures of the products that you sell, or would it have to be something a little more subtle than that and not necessarily what you're selling, more in relation to what the audience you're targeting is likely to like? Yeah, I, th- I think that's really the second option. I
1: mean, there's, there's a lot of interpretation that can happen here. G- generally, though, with images on the platform, I would suggest you do more lifestyle imagery of your products, you know, quote unquote, in the wild. Um, and, you know, showing them in the experiences that you hope your customers will have with your product, if you're an e-commerce company. Um, you know, I work with a, a, a fairly well-known sunglasses brand, and you know, they're, Im- the images we put and advertise on Instagram are pretty much exclusively the images of people wearing those sunglasses. Um, they're, you know, different places, and they're sort of at different parts of the world wearing the sunglasses and living this explorer life. Um, and that's really what we're trying to portray. And that's really what we hope people do with the product. So that's sort of the advice that I would give there. Having too much straight product shot on Instagram doesn't feel right. It, it's not that it can't work because I think in a lower funnel sense, if somebody came to your website or, you know, they had something in their cart and we're about to check out and you show them a product of, you know, the three best sellers from that collection or something. Of products that could do quite well, and that has done well for me um, of just the straight product shots. But more often than not,
0: I do use lifestyle shots because I think it's more reflective of the platform. I love that piece of advice because I can imagine a lot of businesses just thinking initially, okay, an image based. Advertising service here. What we need to do is just take some photos, some good photos of the products that we sell, and then get them on there. And then um, people will um, enjoy seeing them and that particular network. But um, uh, your advice is, is is great because obviously, if people were viewing the product in action, then it'll probably be a landscape. It'll probably be a person, and there's some emotion um, that the viewer can relate to that particular image compared with actually just seeing a product perhaps out of context as well with the other things that they're viewing. So I I think that's a great piece of advice. Thank you. One other question is, how targeted can you be when you're selecting your audience? I mean, is the same demographic targeting and like type targeting on offer as it is on Facebook when you're advertising through there as well?
1: Yeah, it is. It's, you know, you have availability of the same major types of targeting, the custom audiences and lookalike targeting, the demographic targeting with uh, demographic portraits. You have the interest targeting, uh, behavioral, and then also social targeting if they like your Facebook page or don't like your Facebook page, et cetera. So you have availability of all the types of targeting you have on Facebook. Um, You will notice that if you're targeting, let's say you have an email list of 10,000 people and you select that as a custom audience to target on Facebook and that gives you, um, that 10,000 person list to target. Um, if you select Instagram as the placement, it will go down there, are, you know, I mean, depending on your, your audience, of course, if you're targeting people that a lot of them would be on Instagram, that's not going to be the case, but in most cases that number will go down, but you get the availability of all the same targeting on the platform and Facebook that you do on Instagram.
0: And what percentage, roughly, would it go down by on average? I've
1: seen it anywhere from twenty to thirty, up, you know, percent upwards of sixty percent. It really depends. In a, I mean, it just depends on the vertical you're targeting and the the age range of the people you're going for.
0: And you also mentioned that um, Instagram probably skews a bit older than something like Snapchat. Do you think, though, that um, Instagram still does have a typical audience of maybe 25 to 35 or something like that? Or is, yeah. it, is, it, is it broader?
1: Yeah, I do think. I mean, Instagram to me, the audience, and, and this is, you know, partially what I've read from Pew Research and others, and then, you know, my own instincts on, on the platform and talking to other people and, and, and other experts. But I mean, to me, Instagram is really perfect for that 20 to um, you know, 40, 40-ish range. Okay. Um, and Snapchat
0: is, is you know, basically teenagers, um, from what I've seen. Are you experimenting with Snapchat as well, or is that not really uh, part of your focus?
1: I mean, it's not nece- it's not part of our, our core business. You know, our core business is uh, Facebook and Instagram paid marketing, um, and so that's pri- primarily what we do. However, we have experimented with a couple clients with Snapchat geo filters um, and around specific events, and it's been and it's been good. I mean, you don't the reporting is terrible that you get. You just get you know how many people saw it and what the you know, uses were of your filter. Um, and I think that the price point is fairly, you know, reasonable for what you're trying to target if you have a specific area. So in that sense, I think it's, it's cool. You don't get to see what any of them look like. Uh, you have no idea how many people follow those people. Um, that, so, you know, it could be somebody that has one follower that uses it and you get, you know, they would tell you that. So it's a little bit, it's okay. I don't know. It's not, fantastic for me but in certain circumstances i think it can work well
0: well let's segue into the second section of our discussion so that focuses on andrew's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading so starting off with software i couldn't live without so andrew what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you it would significantly impact your marketing success
1: i mean the number one thing that is if somebody took away facebook power editor uh the facebook advanced uh, marketing tool for launching advertisements i would not be able to run our business, uh, it's a substantial (laughs) substantial part of what we do. Um, and even they've made changes to the, uh, power editor platform recently. Um, but it's, you know, it, they, the ability for it to scale and, um, you know, get things going that I, that I need to at a rapid scale for a lot of people. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic actually. So I couldn't, that's the one piece I could not live without.
0: And that's something that's um, owned and operated by Facebook, no third party, is it? That's correct. Yes, yeah. Are are there third party software platforms that can also provide additional assistance when it comes to advertising on Facebook and Instagram? Or has Facebook really got, got the market corners in that?
1: I mean, there there certainly are. I mean, one of the the biggest things that I think is a, a thorn in people's side about Facebook advertising um, is uh, the comments that come in the newsfeed and and how to monitor those comments. Um, I tend to think that if the company you know, wants a better way. And they don't feel like they are managing those comments as well as they can, uh, which I, I believe people are totally capable of it. But some people like to have a tool to be able to monitor that and manage it. I think the, the tool that's from Angora Pulse is the best. Um, they have a comment monitoring tool that works quite well. Um, and I know other people in the industry that were, you know, they use ad espresso to launch Facebook ads, um, most commonly. Uh, so but I tend to stay away from it. Facebook changes so rapidly. Um, and as everybody that's listening to this, I'm sure knows, you know, I mean, all this stuff changes all the time. So I'm not entirely convinced that using a platform is the way to keep up with it. There may be some neat tricks that they can do, and there may be some things that can make your life a little bit easier in terms of optimization. But for me, I mean, you'll have, there's not a week that goes by that something doesn't change. So, um, I like being close to the as close to the platform as possible on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Great stuff. Okay, well, here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you intend to try at some point in the near future? So,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that one is probably the um, probably Addis Reso. Uh I've heard about it from other people. I've actually I've seen. Uh, demo, but I've never used it. So I think that it could be something that we could use in a couple of counts. Um, and maybe use here and there, but I have a friend, uh, Antonio who he works for Ad Espresso. So he's always trying to convince me that I have to give it a shot. And I really like Antonio. So I think, I think for him, I will, I will give it a shot. Uh, but we don't do a lot of social media management either. But I think if we started to walk down that road, um, with more people doing, you know, more scheduling and more content planning, um, then I would turn to, you know, getting into to using something like Angora Pulse because I really respect Emmerich, who's the, the CEO and founder of that company.
0: Yes, and um, I was just actually having a quick look at my um, uh, website, Digital Marketing Radio, to see if I could actually see the episode, because Emmerich has uh, been on Digital Marketing Radio before as well. Um, Awesome. I can't can't find the exact um, episode number at the moment, but uh, dear listener, you'll have to go and search for that one, because that was um, a great episode. And also, um, in fact, a couple of other people have um, also recommended um, Agora Pulse as well. So um, it's, it's, it's good when there's repetition in those recommendations. Uh, it obviously means that uh, a piece of software is uh, is worthwhile taking a look at. Absolutely, um, great stuff. And of course, um, um, make sure those um, recommendations, those um, pieces of software that you wish that you uh, you could could use in the future, um, are included in the show notes as well. But um, let's move on to. I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online, Andrew. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently?
1: I, the the number one thing that I think in my business, I wish we would have um done well is had more i mean had more organization with the client off the bat. I think as a consultant in with Facebook marketing, there's a lot of moving pieces um there's a lot of you know getting the creative together, getting the target groupings together, getting access to the accounts, and it just was. It was very disorganized and there was way too many emails when we first started. And so now when a client comes on board, I send them a presentation that they can watch with a video from me. It has all the instructions on how to get connected. And then it has a listing of all of the things we will need if they have those things. And uh, that has made things so much easier and made things much more streamlined. So in that case, um, that's what I wish I would have done better. Basically, kind of had things more organized from the outset, and instead of
0: managing my projects via email, which we all know is a huge pain, <laughs> do you think there is somewhere that you could have gone, or a coach that you should have used in order to actually have that in place? Or realistically, is that something that um, you kind of just have to learn by doing?
1: I mean, I think depending on your business and digital marketing, you know, there are there are always going to be preferences that you have based on a workflow that you're trying to you know achieve. In my case, um, you know, it was something that I think when we did finally get a business coach, which we've had for about a year and a half now, um, that is when a lot of the systems really started to become much more polished and that made it a lot better. Um, his name is Chris Rudolph and he runs a, a company called um, Freedom Business. And, and so, you know, hit Chris's business, um, Freedom Business family is is he helped get a lot of those systems together, um, which we just didn't have. So I think I could have been capable of doing it to some point, um, but I don't think I would have been able to see the full sunlight without somebody else saying, what are you doing? And you know, the, the other piece of this that's com- complex is my wife and I are the owners and co-founders of the business. So there's c- communication that we need to do that also having somebody in between to kind of look at the processes was very effective.
0: The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? Yes. (whistles) Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliate. And the easiest question, Facebook or Google Plus? (laughs) Facebook. (laughs) Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. I don't think there was one answer that you struggled with um i mean i tried bit. not to struggle and hesitate on the answers so. <laughs> i normally like to pick one out and actually delve deeper into to, to to why you struggled with that particular one as well but it's interesting
1: i mean social follower versus email follower that's mm. a really good question you know that's that's something that i think a lot about uh, i think the reason i said email email subscriber uh, versus social follower is um so, so many people curated their social media followers poorly when we all started Facebook pages. And I think certainly the incentive was to do that. It was to get cheap likes. Remember, I mean remember yeah. like this page to display this concept, you know, this content or whatever we all used to do. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, that was not good. And it actually curated our fan base. I don't think as effectively as it could be. So many times I just see email being so effective, not only from a, um, you know, perspective of getting they've actually said yes send me email um, but email is so powerful to use for lookalike audiences and for custom audiences with Facebook and Instagram marketing that that's a tactic that I use all the time so that's why I think I said that one but that's that's a difficult one.
0: So is I mean obviously quality over quantity when it comes to social subscribers but is that always the case? Um, w- would you always much rather a couple of hundreds? Of likes and um, the vast majority of people fully engaged with a, with a Facebook page compared with um, a few thousand people and 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 the same number of people who have liked that page.
1: To me, yeah, it's, it's the number is not important. Yeah, it's about that quality. So I'd much rather have the low quality audience that really loves you um, that you can use and, and trust. You know that they'll be there. Um, you know, I don't think that if I were I don't think consumers are going and looking at a product necessarily and saying, you know what? They only have 5,000 likes. I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, I don't, they, they've certainly even in the Facebook page redesign that came out recently, you're don't they don't even make the number a central part of it. It's like, it doesn't, it's like a totally a second thought at this point, <laughs> I think from Facebook's perspective too. So, um, it's, I would much rather have a small community that's really engaged and have, have a, a good fan base that you can use to, to advertise to with, you know, if, you, if you've curated your fans correctly, using small dollar advertisement to get in front of your fans is extremely powerful and they can be really, really
0: big advocates for you. So you don't think that the, the value of social followers is going down over time because of Facebook doing things like reducing organic reach? Oh, I, I think the follower growth is, I mean, yes, I, I'm, people,
1: you're certainly getting less likes than you used to uh, on your page and less followers than you used to. Um, but I think the ones you're getting are more quality. Okay. Um,
0: so I think ultimately that's a good thing.
1: The $10,000 question.
0: If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend, spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. I think the, the thing that I would do
1: is I would probably hire a analytics expert, um, a Google analytics and possibly somebody with like a statistics background, um, who could come into client accounts and look at the statistics they see with Google analytics and with Facebook and um, understand how to slice and dice data to be able to tell more of a complete story about the customer journey, Uh, that would be something I would love uh, because I think Facebook is an incredibly powerful tool and Instagram is as well. And the one thing that um, we always struggle with as digital marketers is how do we how do we connect a lot of this stuff and i think facebook makes it easier with the facebook pixel and google analytics makes it okay but there's still a lot of gray area i mean it's interesting to me we don't talk a lot in the industry about gray social or dark social media but um, there are stories that we can tell. And there are really interesting f- stories about when they get to our site, what do they do? And I think not enough of us know that story. And so having somebody that can look at the data and be able to tell more of it and be able to look at all the numbers and the dollars you've spent and said, this did really well, this didn't do well, here's some other suggestions. That to me would be really, really awesome to have somebody dive in on a number
0: of uh, things with me. You mentioned the word attribution earlier on in a conversation. Is there any particular attribution model that you favor?
1: I mean, the the attribution model that I favor really is essentially looking at all the numbers together. Um, I mean, I know that there's like linear attribution model and last click and things like that. Uh, People have different preferences on that. And I'm not going to go into that. What I tend to use is basically, let's look at what Google Analytics says. uh, From a direct click perspective, let's look at what it has from an overall perspective and referral perspective. And then let's look in what Facebook says and what Facebook says from a clicks and from a visitors and from a revenue and a you know, conversion perspective and kind of lining all of those things up together. That's the attribution model I like. And you can start to then develop ratios between things. Um, for example, Facebook's always going to say X or, you know, um, you know, Facebook's always going to have the click numbers probably always going to be 30% greater or something, you know, whatever that number is and that threshold that you can use. So that's really the way that I like to line up attribution is to give the client as much information as possible. And then if they're trying to make it more sophisticated and walk in a more sophisticated fashion, um, you know, with the attribution world, then get all that information together and then, if, and then talk about pixeling and possibly installing more sophisticated software so you can have that. But I will tell you, majority of... I mean, clients, big and small, up to multi-multi-million-dollar corporations, are struggling with attribution. It's something mm. that a lot of people uh, have have trouble with, and I think it and, and and you know with good reason. I mean, it's it's very difficult because Facebook says one thing, and Google Analytics says another, and so it's important that first we all have more information than less, and and look at as much as we can and that we have available to us.
0: Absolutely, I, I can see more companies, more businesses using third-party analytics uh, providers in the future and um, not relying completely on something like Google Analytics. Because you, you mentioned the word dark social and um, there are certain socias, uh, sources of traf- traffic that to a certain degree you just have to trust instinctively that that's where the traffic is coming from and there must be ways, hopefully in the future, of, of becoming more aware of exactly exactly how much Quantity and um, quality-wise, and what that traffic does. Yeah, I
1: mean, the Facebook Pixel is is to me incredibly helpful. It's already getting us there in a lot of cases, um, mostly because you can actually, you know, see um, how somebody's traveling across devices because we're logged in all the time. So to me, that's the one of the most powerful things that we have at our in our toolbox as digital marketers right now. If you're somebody that's into Facebook and Instagram. Uh, That you can see that they clicked on desktop and bought on mobile and things like that. So that's the step in the right direction. And and that will get better. I know it will because it's a, the more that that improves and the more that that transparency becomes something that they're dedicated to, the more money they make, frankly, more people are willing to invest the dollars.
0: Well, I can feel myself wanting to take this conversation down lots of different tangents here and just keeping it going, but um, I reckon we should move on to... My
1: number one takeaway.
0: Because, Andre, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses?
1: I would say the number one takeaway is if you aren't right now advertising on Facebook or Instagram, I would encourage you to get in and uh, to start experimenting with that and learn about the tactics and the tools that you have there with mostly centering, you know, around targeting. Um, So it can always go into the Facebook ads manager and go into the audiences section. And there's a thing in there called the saved target audience. And you can actually mess around with Facebook's targeting, um, without actually ever launching an ad. So that's a big takeaway that if you've not done that, I would encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you to, to play around with it and see, and see how crazy and, and, and awesome, frankly, the targeting is that are on those platforms.
0: That's a great takeaway. Well, um, thank you so much, um, for, um, what you shared today, but, um, What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do?
1: Sure. People can find me at foxwelldigital.com. Uh You can also find out about me and follow me on Twitter at, at Andrew Foxwell. Of course, we are also on Facebook on Foxwell Digital. Um, so that's the easiest way. And if you also have questions or enjoyed listening to this, I also am on John Loomer's podcast uh, every month. So you can check that out. And we talk about really nerdy advanced Facebook stuff um, if that's something that's interesting to you. So you can, you can always email me at Andrew at Foxwell Digital as well.
0: Wonderful. So, um, yeah, thanks to Andrew and thank you to listener too. If you enjoyed what Andrew shared today, tell us what you think. An iTunes review is always good and I might even read it out in a future episode. And if Twitter's your thing, at Bain is my handle. Maybe it's your thoughts on this episode, what Andrew said, or maybe it's your thoughts on what we should include on future episodes. Whatever it is, it would be great to hear from you. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. Thanks again, Andrew. Great episode. Thank you.